It will arise as once before, in ages past when magic soared. Passing o'er the world, shore to shore, the wind, the fury, again shall roar. Welcome to the Swan Song Podcast by Eamon Cottrell and Brian Stallings. The Swan Song Podcast is the episodic audiobook for the fantasy novel John Swan Song and the Parada Isle. Episode 3 Danvid spotted something out of the corner of his eye as he turned round from the counter of food and goods spread out like something out of a painting. Bright green rain melons, deep red shells of the island nuts, and a neatly arranged assortment of simple yet elegant jewelry woven and carved by Danvid and his wife Natalia. His eyes narrowed and his suspicions rose. He scooted his stool aside and crept toward the canvas that covered the side of his booth. It was more of a lean-to than anything. One wooden wall and ceiling with two pieces of white fabric hung from either side. It was shaping up to be a hot afternoon, and he'd just spotted a ship coming in. Danvid was not in the mood to chase around whichever up-and-coming thief was hiding around back. Get your scrawny self round here. I seen you hiding there. He had a raspy voice, but despite the mean reputation he had garnered from the children in the village, he wasn't half the brute he was made out to be. He heard a giggle and the shuffle of feet as he threw back the canvas siding. A blonde child, he couldn't tell which, was running up the hill. If he took chase, he'd be forced to leave his wares unattended, and besides, the child hadn't really done anything. He sighed and began to turn back round, when he heard dashing footsteps. Something fell on his counter as he regained his position. Hey! He glanced at an overturned stand that had spilled many bracelets onto the counter, and a quick survey of the scene told him that the small chest Natalia had just finished crafting the week before was missing. He could kick himself. These kids were growing older and cleverer each season. He'd been easily distracted by the blonde one, while the real thief nabbed the item they'd no doubt been eyeing for a couple of days. He had little doubt who the culprit was in this case, though. Nathaniel. He'd have to have a talk with Tolan later, not that it would do any good. Rat ran wide-eyed and straining for breath as he bounded away from Danvid's shop. There were many booths set up along the dock, and he weaved through the well-known maze with dazzling agility and speed. On his left was Raylan's blades, and as Rat darted past, the cling of metal and steel rang out as Raylan worked. Meredith, the best-known baker on the island in Rat's opinion, and he would know he'd nabbed a sample of every baked good that he knew about on Brie, was pulling out a tray of pastries from a stone oven as he ran past her kitchen. He relished the warm, sweet aroma and wished he had time to stake out a snack. Goth's Remedies was up next. It was called Goat's, but it was John who ran the place. Rat zoomed past it without a second thought. There wasn't anything of interest to him there, nothing that he couldn't get elsewhere, that is. There were many other smaller merchants with their portable shops set up, little more than rickety tables under small tents. As he neared the end of the merchants, the fishhook came into view. He took a quick glance over his shoulder to make sure of his getaway and then rounded the corner. He leaped up the embankment in the rear of the inn and set off into the woods. The edge of the Duskin Wood, 
came right up to the old bar and added to the eerie aura of the building. It was one of the oldest structures on Labrie, maybe even as old as the Windcastle. It had been constructed from heartwood, though there were as many stories as to how that had happened as there were residents on Labrie. Heartwood was native only to the deep forests of the Far East. Exeter and its surrounding snaky reefs and protective isles were the only known places that the lightweight and extremely tough wood could be found. The Paradas were said to have built many ships using the fabled wood in years past, and the most common belief on Labrie was that a Parada ship must have shipwrecked long ago and had been stripped for wood to build shelter. Just as many people could not believe this, though, as it was hard to imagine a Parada ship ever crashing. They were said to be the sturdiest and fastest ships ever made, but whether that was due to their construction or their mystical crew is hard to say. Rat came to a section of dense vegetation and looked around again to make sure he was alone. He lifted up several vines and slid under the canopy. The ground was smooth from the many trips he'd made there. He put the vines back in place, covering the entrance to the small thicket completely. There was an assortment of items in the jungle igloo. It was clear that Rat's afternoon thievery was not the first time he'd nabbed some relic or souvenirs from the docks. Various items lay all around the hideout. Most of them were carved pieces of wood fashioned as swords and knives. They were clearly the work of an amateur, and some of the swords, his first attempts, were more walking cane than weapon. There were two barrels on the ground that Rat had procured from the fish hook, and propped between them were two boards which served as his table. Hung from several long vines were clumps of vegetation that dipped down low overhead, and Rat had to duck beneath them to make his way around in the small hideout. As Rat was settling down the newly acquired chest to examine more closely, he heard footsteps along the path. They crept nearer, becoming slow, stealthy pads as they came to the entrance. Rat, whispered John. Yeah, come on in off the path, Rat shot back. Somebody might see you. John ducked into their hideout and smiled at Rat. Look what I got. John pulled out the latest sprigs of the undye root he'd grabbed and tied them up with the rest overhead. He was still grinning as Rat clapped him on the back. We are going to be able to make so much smoke dust. Do you think we could tunnel into Bowdoin like Ty said they're doing on Duntal? I mean, that is a lot of undye, John. Rat lived for a big production. It was no wonder that he was often in trouble. His knack for adrenaline-filled quest, such as that afternoon's chest snatching, many times came at the expense of the adults. Either that or at his own expense when he was caught or injured in whatever acts of valor and adventure he'd set out upon. John smiled big at his friend and just nodded. We'll have plenty of undyed, that's for sure. We'll just have to see how much sulfur and coal Tice will give us. He promised he'd trade, after all. John couldn't help but glance past Rat's shoulder at the large staff in a corner by itself. The top of it actually protruded out of the thicket. It blended in with the vegetation and dense terrain outside, though, so they didn't worry about it being spotted or seeming out of place. Tice had agreed to supply them with enough coal and sulfur to satisfy their adolescent desires. He had also agreed to help them make the dangerous compound. His price was a heartwood staff. 